This is LBC with Nick Abbott. Call 0345 6060 973. Text 84850. Alexa, send a comment to LBC. Crossing to America now to talk to Simon Marks, our US correspondent. Hello, Simon. Evening, Nick. So, um, these uh, awful events in Israel, what's been the reaction in America? Well, a uh, dreadful reaction from here, as you can imagine, uh, because it's absolutely clear that Americans have been caught up in this violence, and also, of course, uh, because it is clear that this is going to become another major foreign policy test uh, for President Joe Biden. Here's what Secretary of State Antony Blinken had to say uh, a few hours ago uh, when he appeared on uh, various uh, Sunday talk programs, in this case, NBC. We have reports that several uh, Americans may be among the dead. We are very actively working to verify those reports. Similarly, we've seen reports about, um, about hostages, and there again, we're very actively trying to verify them uh, and uh, nail that down. Meaning that there could be some U.S. citizens who have been taken hostage as well, Mr. Secretary? That's correct. Now, within the last few minutes, uh, the National uh, Security Council is confirming that several American citizens have died in the violence that has been taking place uh, in Israel since uh, the early hours of Saturday morning. Several American citizens among those killed, according to an NSC spokesperson who added that officials are monitoring the situation closely and remain in touch with Israeli partners. Exact numbers for the deaths and the number of injured Americans are unknown. Uh, they're not commenting there on whether any American citizens have been taken hostage uh, by the Hamas uh, terrorists that assaulted uh, Israel in that surprise attack in the early hours uh, of Saturday morning. But it's perfectly possible, given the size uh, of the population in Israel that hails from the United States, uh, that indeed uh, American citizens are now hostages of Hamas. And that is going if it if it turns out to be the case, that is going to become very rapidly a full-fledged uh, crisis for President Biden. Uh, it was announced here uh, a few hours ago that the United States is sending uh, a carrier strike group led by uh, the USS Gerald R. Ford, which is one of the world's largest aircraft carriers, uh, to the eastern Mediterranean in uh, a show of force uh, as far as Hamas is concerned. But look, I I think there will be pressure mounting uh, on the Biden administration to explain what it's going to do to free any American hostages that may be being held by Hamas uh, in the Gaza Strip. President Biden has spoken again uh, here today with the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Antony Blinken, uh, the Secretary of Defense uh, Lloyd Austin have been reaching out to their counterparts in Israel, in Egypt, in Jordan, to Mahmoud Abbas, the President of the Palestinian Authority authority to the Saudis and also to the UAE but they've been caught completely flat-footed here by this and I have to say Nick it is uh, I have to say it, it's pretty stunning to me that while American lives were clearly in jeopardy uh, in these attacks as they unfolded in Israel 
nobody appears to have bothered to wake President Biden up as he slept Friday night into Saturday morning to tell him that this crisis was unfolding. Indeed, in the president's own telling yesterday, he didn't come to grips to it with it or know about it until around 7.30 in the morning when he woke up at the White House on Saturday and was informed by his top national security staff of what had occurred. Uh, I mean, it is not going to take Republicans uh, to, to have to carry out a tremendous leap of imagination to accuse him literally of being asleep at the switch while uh, this crisis was escalating. Uh, and I think there's going to be massive questions for U.S. intelligence agencies. I mean, massive questions, obviously, for Israeli intelligence, but massive questions for U.S. intelligence about how they also seemed not to have any idea that this coordinated assault by land by sea and by air that was launched by Hamas was taking place. The US says that it's seen no evidence yet that Iran was behind any of this but they continue to look for evidence uh, and of course there are concerns here about the impact on all of this uh, on the Biden administration's hopes for normalized diplomatic relations eventually uh, between Israel and Saudi Arabia. I know you've heard from uh, at least one guest earlier in the program that suggested that that may, may have played a role in Hamas choosing to launch this assault, fearful uh, as they were that the Saudis might be close to normalizing ties or edging closer to normalizing ties uh, with the Israelis. Uh, but for President Biden, this is going to be now a, a, a major front burner issue. It's going to test his foreign policy metal. And of course, it's happening, Nick, at a point where he can't get anything done in terms of legislation on Capitol Hill because there is no Speaker of the House of Representatives. Everything is at a standstill on Capitol Hill, and that is only further going to complicate this problem. Yeah, let's talk about this, the Speaker in, in just a second. But um, you, you mentioned that the, the U.S. is sending uh, this, uh, this ship. Are they sending actual munitions on top of that? Well, they say that they have uh, offered uh, additional assistance, that's the phrase they're using, uh, to the Israeli government and to Prime Minister Netanyahu. They will not be drawn on the precise nature of what that assistance that they now say they are supplying consists of. Now, there were reports uh, that... Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu was looking for uh, additional equipment to boost uh, Israel's Iron Dome defensive shield, which obviously has uh, simply never had to face the kind of onslaught uh, in terms of the numbers of missiles that have been fired and the numbers of rockets that have been fired at Israel from uh, Gaza uh, as it's faced over the last uh, 36 hours. Uh, but they won't be drawn here on the precise nature of the support. They insist that uh, America support for the government and people of Israel is ironclad, rock solid is the phrase uh, that has been repeated like a mantra here uh, since this crisis began and uh, I mean certainly it's going to be interesting to watch the relationship between President Biden and Prime Minister Netanyahu because they are not at all uh, philosophical soulmates remember that Benjamin Netanyahu had a much warmer relationship uh, with Donald Trump than he's got with Joe Biden but they are now basically forced 
lost together uh, as a result of this crisis and it sort of takes their personal relationship into uh, uncharted waters. Donald Trump of course has been uh, making immediate uh, points to support his presidential campaign based on what has occurred uh, accusing Joe Biden of whittling away the progress that the Trump administration made in terms of advancing uh, peace in the Middle East and it was genuine progress, the signing of the Abraham Accords in uh, September of 2020 and the normalization of relationships between uh, Israel, uh, Bahrain, uh, the United Arab Emirates uh, was seen as a, by both parties here as a step in the right direction. And President Biden's been continuing down that path uh, in terms of trying to advance the discussion with the Saudis about normalizing relations. President Biden is faulted, though, by progressives within his own party and by activists who support uh, the Palestinian cause for having done absolutely nothing to advance a two-state solution uh, between Israel uh, and the Palestinians. And, and indeed, the Biden administration has said from day one that they see no opening or opportunity to advance that two-state solution. And they've been stressing again here this weekend that any negotiations with quote-unquote, the Palestinians cannot, by definition, include negotiations between the United States and Hamas because the United States considers Hamas to be a terrorist organization. Now, if that terrorist organization is holding American hostages and seeks to negotiate with the Israelis for the release of uh, all of the hostages that they're holding, Israelis who are not American citizens and those who are, uh, I mean, that's obviously going to get quite complicated very quickly for American diplomats who themselves cannot be seen to be having any kind of conversation with Hamas because it's a prescribed entity here. It is, I mean you mentioned the uh, security services but it is a, really quite a staggering failure, uh, not just of the American security services but particularly the Israeli ones. I mean they, they have famously some of the, uh, the, the highest quality um, intelligence uh, operatives in the world and yet, I was looking at the Washington Post, they, they said that just last month, Hamas put its forces on high alert and held field exercises with other armed groups. Uh, the drills included practice rocket launches, ambushes and the storming of settlements in an apparent preview of the attacks which were launched on Saturday. So. It's actually quite staggering that they didn't see this coming. Yeah, and there's echoes of 9-11 in all of that, by the way, because, I mean, Al-Qaeda in the months leading up to September 11th, 2001, made it absolutely clear uh, that they were planning some kind of an assault on American interests and possibly even the United States homeland. And America's attention was completely focused elsewhere. Now, Israel's attention is rarely focused uh, anywhere else. And the Gaza Strip is a total fortress. I visited Gaza on a reporting trip uh, about 12 or 13 years ago. Nothing goes in or out of that territory uh, without uh, Israeli approval. No person enters the Gaza Strip without extraordinary security uh, processes on the way in and on the way back. Uh, one of the big questions that's being asked here is where did all these rockets come from? How did they get into the Gaza Strip? Is there 
there a set of underground tunnels that has been used uh, that the Israelis simply didn't detect? And, and surely there must have been some kind of chatter in the system, given the number of uh, Gaza uh, of, of Hamas uh, militants that crossed the border into Israel. Some of them still currently uh, on Israeli soil. And the scale of the rocket assault uh, with missiles even today raining down again uh, on Tel Aviv. I mean, that doesn't happen on a whim. It clearly has to have had some kind of command and control uh, operation behind it. And so, uh, look, clearly in Israel, the fallout from all of this for Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, I think it's much too early to calculate uh, as shock really sets in. I was reading one analyst tonight who says because of the size of the country and the scale of the death toll, there will not be a single Israeli who doesn't somehow know a family that has lost loved ones as a result uh, of this violence. Uh, but, you know, this is, a, this is clearly going to give rise to all sorts of investigations there and here in the United States. And it is a story that is still absolutely not over with the Israeli prime minister declaring war on Hamas and with Hamas holding uh, those hostages. Uh, this is going to be a dominant issue uh, on the world stage uh, for days, if not weeks to come. Now, you mentioned the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. He's just been pushed out by, um, by sort of the, the right wing of the right wing Republican Party for uh, daring to do a deal with uh, Democrats in order to keep America going, this, uh, this budget um, ceiling that keeps coming up like what, about once a month, it seems. And um, <laughs> Donald Trump offered himself as um, a temporary fill-in for that role. T tell us what the role actually involves. Well, it's important to underscore that because the Speaker of the House of Representatives is not the bloke uh, who screams order, order, and decides who's going to speak next in debate. Uh, it's not like the House of Commons. The Speaker of the House of Representatives is a very powerful political figure, second in line to the presidency after Vice President Kamala Harris, as she is now. Um, and uh, essentially the, the, the leader of the majority party in the House who decides what legislation that party is going to advance, what votes are going to come to the floor. So it's... One one of the most powerful elected positions uh, in Washington, D.C. When we spoke last weekend, Kevin McCarthy's uh, bacon appeared to have just been saved by the Democrats because they'd averted the government shutdown. You're absolutely right. They only kicked the can down the road for 45 days. So uh, within the next month or so, we're going to be staring down the possibility of another government shutdown. But it wasn't just the far right of the Republican Party that consigned Kevin McCarthy to the sheep of history. It was the very same Democrats that had saved him on Saturday from that government shutdown who then by Tuesday decided they'd had enough of him as well and so they also joined the far right. It hardly ever happens. The Democrats joining the Trump-backed wing of the Republican Party to agree on something and the thing they agreed on was that they didn't want Kevin McCarthy around anymore. There was immediately one congressman, Troy Neals, I forget what state he's from, I think 
think it's Tennessee, who put Donald Trump's name forward uh, and nominated him for the position of Speaker. Donald Trump, of course, was a bit busy because he was in the courtroom all last <laughs> week in New York where he's facing that $2 billion fraud right. civil lawsuit. Yes. Uh, and at first, he indicated that, no, he wasn't available for the job. He said, my, my prime task is running for the top job for the presidency. But then there were reports that he had decided perhaps to visit Capitol Hill over the next few days. Still very unclear if that's going to happen. Imagine if he's wandering through the corridors of the building that his own supporters ransacked. Yeah, uh, it would be the uh, first in, time he'd gone back to Washington, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, since well, no, he's been in Washington before because he had to show up for a... Um, a court hearing oh, uh, here, as right. you can imagine, but yeah, it's certainly the first time back on uh, on Capitol Hill. I mean, he yeah. never got there in January of 2021 because he uh, hightailed it back to the White House <laughs> from did. Pennsylvania he's, Avenue. He said, "Follow me," <laughs> yeah. and then ran away. Exactly. <laughs> he said, "Follow me," and then as they wandered off, he turned around in exactly the opposite direction. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I mean, the point is that anyone can be Speaker. You don't have to be an elected member of the House of Representatives. So if the Republicans wanted to, and if Donald Trump agreed to do it, which is clearly, I think, not going to happen, they could absolutely elect him Speaker. They could elect uh, anybody Speaker that they fancied. I suspect they're going to end up coalescing around either a vaguely moderate, although at this point that's not really the word to use, Republican leader by the name of Steve Scalise, or a far-right figure by the name of Jim Jordan. But the longer this thing goes on, and it's unresolved, no legislation is moving on Capitol Hill. And that's why huge problems for President Biden in terms of a Middle East response, but also in terms of Ukraine. Because remember, that compromise measure that kept the government open stripped all the funding out for Kiev. And mm. the White House is desperate to get that funding restored. So It seems like uh, a crazy way to run a third world country. Never, <laughs> never mind about the most important economy in the world. I mean, in 45 days, mm. they're going to go through all this again where they have to uh, get uh, some sort of cross-party support to raise the debt ceiling so that they can keep paying the police and the army mm. and and keep uh, m uh, over a million uh, civil servants working because they'll all be f i mean I've, I've i mean colleagues are friends of mine uh here in washington uh, were saying to me that they had spent the 10 days leading up to the possibility of a government shutdown instead of working on their main jobs, putting everything in place for how their various government departments were going to function during a shutdown. And then, of course, it didn't happen. We'll be going through all of that again in the middle of November. I see that Biden is, 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 it's reported that the White House is thinking about putting some massive spending requests together for Ukraine that would carry uh, them through until uh, next year uh, with with telephone number figures being banded about here. I mean, billions and billions of dollars. Uh, there's no prospect of that passing at this point and uh, it can't even move while there's no speaker in the House. <laughs> what a way to run a country, eh? Madness. And um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has apparently given up the hopes of um, upseat, uh, unseating mm. Biden as mm. the... Uh, as the candidate for the Democrat Party. And now those on the right are concerned about his influence because um, he's a nut, isn't he? 
well, his uh, critics would take that viewpoint. His supporters are absolutely enamoured with him. Uh, and he's making a big announcement in a few hours' time uh, in Philadelphia. And that announcement will be that he, we think, I- that he's going to abandon his quest to try and topple Joe Biden and, and challenge him for the Democratic Party's presidential nomination. And he's going to run instead as an independent, so a essentially a third-party candidate in yeah. the election. Now, we've not talked about him before, but he be- he was becoming a problem for Joe Biden at one point, uh, with with 17% of Democrats back in June saying that they would back him mm. in the party's primary. Uh, he then uh, made various comments uh, about COVID-19 and suggesting that uh, it was a bioweapon uh, that had been designed to attack white people and African-Americans, but spare uh, Jews and uh, people from China. That led members of his family to disavow him completely. Uh, they'd already uh, disavowed previous remarks that were perceived by critics to be uh, anti-Semitic that he had made uh, over a year ago. And he's been a noted vaccine sceptic, predating even the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, But he's got money behind him. Eric Clapton uh, held a fundraiser for him in California a couple of weeks ago. More than $2 million raised there. Wow. Elon Musk possibly throwing his financial weight behind him. And in a tight presidential race between Trump and Biden, R.F. Kennedy Jr. could well end up being the political kingmaker here. So you've got to keep an eye on him. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, he was trying to become the uh, the candidate for the Democratic Party, but because he's this conspiracy theorist, yes. he is attractive to those on the right who might have uh, considered voting for Donald Trump. So it might be that he splits the right-wing vote and allows Joe Biden in. Yes, and and I think that is what is so uh, concerning to Republicans uh, at the moment about the announcement that's coming, because uh, he is a conspiracy theorist, uh, as is Donald Trump, um, but he is uh, a conspiracy theorist uh, with views of government that are almost libertarian. Uh, And so the fear is that if there is a libertarian third-party candidate with charisma and money behind them, uh, that that candidate, RFK Jr., could siphon more votes away from Donald Trump than he siphons away from Joe Biden. And with all of the match-ups, you know, if you look at the the polling of a rematch between Trump and Biden, uh, it's neck and neck. Mm. And so if there's a candidate out there pulling more votes away from Trump, Biden wins. If it's on the other uh, side of the uh, the equation, then Trump wins. So he's going to be, I think, quite an important figure to keep an eye on. <laughs> Great to talk to you, Simon, as always. Thanks for that. Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent.